0: Good day, make work work. I want to share my use on changing events with the terms left or right. In my workplace, terms left or right have a simpler, direct, and militant way to communicate. Left is earlier and right is later on a linear spectrum of time. For example, when I book tugs to depart a harbor and I need to delay it by two hours, I call the harbor master and notify them I need to push the departure two hours to the right. I'm not advocating that this is the end all be all way to describe the change in events, but it is caught on in our household because it is simple, concise. And would you ever see this being used more often in a civilian organization?
1: Yes, it's finally here. It's finally happening. We have questions from our listeners in all sorts of format. We got tweets, we got emails, we got audio recordings. That is super exciting. And we are so excited to. Just die right in.
0: We absolutely love this recording from
1: Adrian. <laughs> this is the best thing in the world. And I have to tell you, Haley, when I was editing episode 28, when we were talking about the left and right as follow up, the thought did cross my mind. I was like, I wonder if this is a military thing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> the answer is yes. At least for for his organization, this is the way that they that they talk to each other.
1: <laughs> yeah. So, what what do you think? What what do you think about what he said on the left and right thing?
0: I mean, I have to I have to say, it made sense to me as soon as my sister explained it to me. Do you remember? In our follow up conversation, I was like, I now understand because she explained it to me. So. I would get what they mean when they say left and right.
1: Yeah, I feel like it wasn't that I didn't understand. It's just that I never, like, I would never have reached for those words. Yeah. And I think that's what, like, threw me off entirely. Yeah. I was like, this doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, it makes
0: sense. And obviously it isn't. So his he does not end the recording on, would you ever see this being used more often in a civilian organization? I think probably not.
1: Before we jump into the question... Because I feel like my reaction to this was like a strong no, because I was like, this doesn't make any sense. But first of all, when you hear someone speak with such authority, (laughs) you can't help but listen to what is being said. And because I feel like we realized this in our stumbles through this topic, that there isn't clear language on this. And because there isn't clear language, and I can see with... Ships, which is the example he used, of their arrival time can change. Like it can be earlier or later. It actually does make sense that the military is Mm -hmm. like, this language doesn't work for us. People get confused all the time. Let's adjust this. So there is no confusion anywhere. And I just have to also add that the fact that we got visual aids. We haven't (laughs) even mentioned that yet.
0: Adrian also provided visual aids. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And so I swear to God, I feel like I kind of came around to this. I feel like I kind of came around to this. I am shocked
0: that you came around to this because you were the one who was like, no, I think that you just had stronger opinions about this, what we talked about at last. And so I'm shocked that you've come around to this. <laughs> I mean, I
1: feel like when a case is well made, I will, you know, take it into consideration And that's a good quality. Yeah. Like, I don't think I am the definitive source of truth. You know, I think I'm happy to be wrong if better information is available. And I can just also see in this context where like, yeah, ships arriving, like arrival times must be changing all the time. Like, oh, 10 minutes earlier, 10 minutes later. And if, because the language isn't clear on how to refer to it, it actually does make sense that if this is something you do day in, day out, that you just come up with a system that makes more sense. Yeah. And then the question we got was, would this make sense in a civil civilian context? Like, um, maybe not. I don't know. What do you <laughs> think on that?
0: I think it's just one of those things that it hasn't been broadly adopted. Obviously, we don't have language, but I, I still think that earlier and later is like the best way to talk about time because yeah. that makes sense for everyone. But I could see how this makes sense for for him and for his organization. I, I just think for civilian organizations, like that's too, that's too broad of a category, you know, <laughs> like you're looking at everyone that isn't in the military for that. So I just can't see it being widely adopted. I mean, but maybe it could be used. So I, it could be because it makes sense once you have it explained to you. And again, we will provide visual aids for anyone else that would
1: like to <laughs> reference them. I feel maybe even inadvertently, we are somehow becoming like introducing this to a more oh goodness civilian context. <laughs> I don't us.
0: want that to be know- what we are known for. I just, I just, I don't want that to be. No. You know, make work work for people who, you know, helped with the widespread adoption of left and right coming into the conversation about time. Like, no, that's not our tagline.
1: <laughs> no, I also feel like after the first time, I was like, I don't feel the need to talk about this again. And then we had to follow up. And I was like, I definitely don't feel the need to talk about this again. <laughs> no, no. OK, so
0: this is also an announcement that there will be no more follow up on this.
1: OK, so I feel like we can talk a little bit about this is our episode 30 extravaganza and we got so this was follow up, but we have a lot of questions we want to get to. Yes. And thank you so much
0: to everyone who provided questions. We have some really great questions. And honestly, these were collected over a really long span of time, (laughs) but we are always willing to take more questions. So the option to leave messages to us via Anchor to leave us a recorded message is just always going to stay open. So I'll include the link Mm -hmm. to that in our show notes. So anytime you want to send those, send them and we'll just collect them for a future episode at some point. Uh, Not going to make any promises on the timeline of that, but I'll just say (laughs) we'll always collect questions and always feel free to email in questions to hello at makework.work also. So just we'll keep collecting questions, but this is just a long list of questions uh, that we've organized into categories from our listeners.
1: Yeah, and this can come from Twitter, they can come from email, they can come from our audio form, if that's what that's called. And we are so excited. This is the first time we've ever done QA, Haley, on the show. And this is episode 30. Special. Which, by the way, we haven't even mentioned the fact that we're up to 30 episodes, just kind of hit me that that is crazy. That kind of blows my mind. It's huge. And yeah, some of these questions for Haley, we've had for so long. I'm so excited to yeah. get to these. Yeah.
0: Looking at this from my personality, I see this as a list of tasks that I get to
1: check off all in one episode. So I'm thrilled. I'm really excited going into this. <laughs> yeah. You can, listeners, please. Can you imagine who put together this list of questions? <laughs> Take a <laughs> wild guess. Haley has been building out the show document for I don't know how long and diligently documented all the reference to it and who sent in the question. And it's been gorgeous. It's been yeah. just a dream to watch come to life. And now it's getting recorded. First question is, how do you stay motivated to keep doing the podcasts? And I actually think there's a really interesting question.
0: It is an interesting question because we have been doing the podcast for over three years now, which is wild. Yeah. Well, I'll say we've been publishing the podcast for over three years. We've been working on this as a side project for over four years, which is Mm -hmm. most of the time that we've known each other. (laughs) Yeah. And it's just, Yeah. yeah, it does take, it does take time and energy for us to do this. So I will say in terms of keeping motivated, I think the big, one of the big things is we really enjoy making this content. And one of the reasons that we went with a podcast as our medium, we knew we wanted to work on a side project together. The the reason we went with a podcast is that we were having all of these conversations anyways. So we were really enjoying just having these conversations and talking to each other. And we were like, oh, we could just record these. And they're kind of, they can be references that we can send to people, which is something that both of us do. Both of us are already in the process of documenting yeah, things through our personal blogs. Like I would write down if people are asking me about LinkedIn editing. I have all these posts on LinkedIn editing. And like, Habby, you have this great public notion now where you have all sorts of things documented. So we're both just sort of in this habit of if people ask us the same questions over time and time again, we were already doing it via blogs or or notion or whatever it might be. So podcasting really made sense to us,
1: yeah. And I also feel like on this, it's I feel like we need to paint a little bit of a picture of what. We were starting to talk about this back in like 2016, yeah. 2017. And I swear at that time, I was working remotely and Haley was working remotely as well. And she was like the only person I knew who was doing that. So the reason we'd have this conversation is because she her work life was so similar to mine. And I didn't really have that many people in my life who, who were living that lifestyle and like also traveling and like would have become themes in the podcast. Then it like now, obviously everyone's uh, working from home and everything a lot more. But at the time, because what happens when you're working from home is you become your own manager. You have to decide what hours you're working. And there's like a lot to it that I was thinking a lot about back in 2016, back in 2017. And Haley, like you are, I mean, I don't mean to be like, boasting on your behalf, but you're like a leader in some ways in this space. So I feel like we would have these conversations all the time. And I just remember like we were like sitting outside this pub and I just remember having this thought. I was like, I really wish we could record this conversation because I feel like we're talking about things that other people would find interesting because this is clearly like the direction things are moving into. And yeah, I feel like I definitely felt like we could work so well working on a side project like this. And this just seemed like the obvious thing for us to to do.
0: Yeah, yeah, I totally agree. And I think it was so much like remote work, maybe kickstarted those conversations. But then when we really got into it, there were so many other things. Like I have this vivid memory of us showing up at the airport together in Barcelona, which was, <laughs> I think, yeah. right before we launched the podcast or maybe, yeah, I think... So that was right before we launched the podcast. So we had been working on the podcast a little bit. I remember I was listening to an episode. I just like I have all these vivid memories of of that because it was like such an interesting time. But I remember us showing up to the Barcelona airport together at the same time and we both had an <laughs> identical setup. We both for traveling for the airport like we both used a carry-on and a backpack. And I think at that point, we might have had the same backpack because I ended up <laughs> I ended up stealing. I'll, I will link to it in the show notes for anyone who's curious. I ended up stealing your idea for a backpack, which is a great thing about having international friends is I knew I was only going to see you every now and again. So if we had the same backpack, it like wasn't the end of the world. And I really liked yours. So I ended up having the same. And then we had like a small over the shoulder purse, too. So we had literally the same setup. And at that point, we were just starting the podcast. So we hadn't even talked about that. But I think that's the thing is like we were both interested in processes and travel and remote work and, and like our processes when it came to to to-do lists too. So it just, it was the perfect thing for us to work on, Mm -hmm. honestly. So that's maybe more of the motivation for starting it, but also keeping it because we are still having these conversations. These conversations just naturally evolve over the course of many years too, as things change around us. Yeah. And then I think the second portion, I know Habi, you and I have talked about this like so many times, so I know you're going to agree fully is like, our listeners and the feedback that they give us is awesome. Mm-hmm. We just, we yeah. are still sometimes mind boggled at the great folks that reach out to us and that interact with the show. Like I,
1: we have some, in some cases have no idea how you all found the podcast. I don't know how anyone found the podcast, to be honest. I know some people came from like, if we knew them before, then yeah. I kind of get it. But there are loads of people I'm like, I have no idea how they came across the podcast initially. And some of them make up a, the bulk of the questions of this episode. Like they're people that we don't
0: know in person. We did not know prior to launching this podcast. And like they have all these mm-hmm. questions for us. They've become really yeah. dedicated listeners.
1: And like, and also beyond that, I feel like we also only ever get good feedback. I know that's probably going to change. Like if the podcast. Don't jinx it. Knock on word. I don't want to knock because that's going to like hurt everyone's audio.
0: Uh, I knock on my head when I knock on wood. That's
1: like a thing <laughs> in my family that we do. I like touched the, the my setup that had like, a, anyway, a wood surface. Um, But we only ever, and even in the beginning when our numbers were small, we just got the best feedback. Everybody said that they really liked our chemistry or that they found our discussions really interesting. And that is also hugely motivating because if, If it works, I feel like both of us, if we would have been doing it and nobody would have listened and nobody like it wouldn't have landed as a like as a product, I guess is what it is. Yeah. It I don't I don't think we would have had the motivation to keep going. We would have been like, all right, we tried this. It didn't really land. That's okay. That was a fun experience. Let's move on. Yeah. But because every even though it's not necessarily we like we get an avalanche of you know, followers and comments and everything. But every comment we get is so thoughtful and is so nice and so encouraging Yeah, and just so supportive. And it to this day, I don't get used to it. I am always blown away and I always find it so sweet. And even, yeah, yeah. So that absolutely helps. We always message each other in Slack. Yeah, we have like a channel for listener yeah. feedback. Any
0: feedback, we're messaging each other. And I think that's a huge piece for for motivation. And then I think the last piece for motivation that I'll mention is it is nice to have something outside of normal work. I don't remember if I've talked about this on the show before, but I also just think it's healthy to have things outside of work that still give you a sense of achievement and accomplishment and just like is something that you enjoy working on that's outside of work. I I also used to feel like jujitsu was that for me. Like, oh, it's so nice to have something outside of work where I'm like learning and growing and doing things. I think that the podcast is just such a huge part of that. Like, it's fun to work on something that's ours. Mm -hmm. We make all the decisions together. It is not tied to our normal work. And we both, we just enjoy the process of building this podcast and like what is turning into building a business together.
1: Yeah. And I feel like No. So I don't know what's the best way to talk about this, but I've gotten questions in different settings where people are like, oh, how do you you promote the show on social media? Or like all these questions where I can see the kind of gears behind the person asking that are trying to like a life hack their way to like a million subscribers or, you know, listeners or whatever. And I think that has never really been our approach. We just Right. I I remember so well when we were in Toronto and we were like building the brand and we were like, oh, this is exactly the kind of blue we want to use. Oh my God, isn't it amazing? And then (laughs) I don't know if our listeners have noticed, but we like recently changed our Instagram book tiles and we had like so much fun, like working on that. So for, for, from my perspective, I'm trying to think for both of our, it's not like we're like, oh, we're gonna hack the world and grow to a billion, super hacky. You know, we're just, I think we just both love like building the brand and talking to the listeners and we love making the show, but we also love all this stuff outside the show. Yeah. And yeah. Okay. So the next question about the podcast is, I love this question. Super. This is from Twitter is how do we come up with a name for the podcast? Make Work Work.
0: And I've actually gotten this question a few times. So all of the things had happened that I said were, you know, we had been talking about working on a side project. We decided on podcast. This happened while I was visiting Habby in London. So we had like gone through a couple of ideas for side projects and talked about what it was we really wanted to work on. We landed on, we want to do a podcast. And I asked, what should we call the podcast? And Habby went, oh, and I think it was, I think it was exactly this. It was, oh, obviously we call it make work work. And I was like, cool, that (laughs) sounds good. (laughs) And so it was just one of those, we immediately had the name. I, then in there, we were, yeah, I remember sitting on the benches outdoors of this pub in London. I was <laughs> buying the domain to make sure that we could get, we couldn't get makeworkwork.com, but we got makework.work, which we both really liked. So we were able to get the domain and I bought it right
1: there. Yeah, it, yeah, I feel like there isn't even really a story here. It just kind of, it just fell out out of us it it and i also just remember when yeah that trip to london when you came to visit me was just so fruitful i don't know i feel like we didn't hit barriers anywhere it was just like oh yeah it should be a podcast and oh yeah it should be about this oh and obviously this is the name and it yeah and then you had the domain and then well it did take take us a little while to get it out the door but yeah yeah the kind of idea of what it should be suddenly it was just like fully formed which is crazy that is kind of crazy actually if you think about it i think that just happens
0: sometimes like that is just sometimes you fall into something and everything lines up perfectly when you're trying to do it and sometimes it doesn't and that's okay too but for us we just happened to be
1: lucky and we Mm -hmm. we got it we just got it yeah so yeah um also and the final thing is i think it's clear from our energy is that we also just like it as the kind of excuse to have more time to talk to each other and hang out. So the next
0: section is personal slash professional development. And our first question is an audio question from Hillary in Canada. So let's listen to that. Hi, Haley and Habby. My name is Hillary and I am from Canada. I am wondering how you keep up with new and evolving tech since you both work in the tech industry. Do you feel that you always need to have the latest tech or do you use what you have until it can't function anymore or something in between? A big fan of your podcast. Thank you. So I feel, I feel like I need to mention that Hillary's my sister.
1: (laughs) Yeah. And I feel like. Hayley, your sister is like such an honorary part of the show because she is so supportive and so good to us. And I feel like that deserves to be said. I'm sure maybe we said it before, but yeah. Yeah. Also, it's a great question. I have so many notes. So I feel like I might let you start because I don't know exactly what direction you want to take it in and then. Uh, yeah, we can go from there.
0: I think there are a couple of directions to take this question. It's interesting because the first part of this, the sort of like keep up with new and evolving tech, mm-hmm. since you both work in the tech industry, could sort of be interpreted as keeping up with industry news mm-hmm. also, which I think is a part of keeping up with tech or like being in tech. So, just mm-hmm. to kind of answer that part of it, I think for me personally, I mostly keep up with tech news through Twitter, honestly. I just follow a lot of different outlets on Twitter and a lot of reporters and a lot of writers on Twitter. And then I'm just subscribed to tons of newsletters. Some of them I don't even know if I subscribe myself. Like, I have no idea how I got into some of these newsletters. It's honestly probably a problem. (laughs) But my work email has tons of newsletters from different tech outlets.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's the same for me. I just feel like there's been a machine built around me that just feeds me trends. It's yeah, Twitter for sure. It's uh, industry newsletters that I I agree. It's like, like, I feel like I couldn't escape an Apple event even though I tried, you know, it's just absolutely unavoidable. And I know she's not just asking about an Apple event, but I just take it as an example. And also just like my family is really interested in technology. My work is really interested in technology. So even if there's something that has managed to escape my radar, it will be brought up and <laughs> I get sent links. And also, especially when I was in London, I would also go to networking events and things like that. So I feel like through just networking and through being in this space, there's just like this machine that builds up around you that just makes sure you, I know that's probably not a great actionable answer, but we can maybe add a link in the show notes to a newsletter or something we like, Haley.
0: Yeah, I don't know that there's just one, honestly. I would just say, Find a bunch of outlets that you like. Yeah, I think that probably what I'll what I'll find is I will find a link to tech news outlets that is like on Twitter or something, so that you could either follow all of them. Yeah, okay. Or that's like a list to more than one because I don't think there's just one that either of us would say we reference. No.
1: And then even just like the podcasts I listen to, even if they're not specifically about tech, they sometimes touch on it. So yeah, it's just I I feel like I, it just saturates every. <laughs> everything I do. um. So, yeah. 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 Oh, and then there's a the second part of the question, which is, do you feel the need to always have the latest tack? Or do you just kind of keep holding on to your iPhone 4 that has a shadowed screen? That's not her question, but I'm, I'm <laughs> interpreting.
0: I'll start. So I,
1: I try and get the latest,
0: like, just in terms of hardware, I try and get the latest thing every few years because... They do make really big improvements, I think, especially for the iPhone. I had kept an iPhone 6 for like the longest time and it just became a camera thing. Like the cameras Mm, had just evolved so much to be so much better. And I did all this travel and I really wanted to take high quality photos. And so that was what finally got me to upgrade. So it wasn't that my phone was broken. It was that I really wanted a better camera. And I think that for my laptops that's usually what ends up happening too is just because I use my laptop for podcasting and for work it gets a lot of wear and eventually the newer models that they have end up making more sense just from like a capacity standpoint. Mm-hmm. But my laptops it's every several years and I will put like an asterisk here that I work for a wonderful company with wonderful tech benefits and that they replace their policy is to replace our laptops every three years. So that is why I'm like able to be more regular with replacing my laptop. I think if the company didn't do it, I probably would wait longer than is appropriate because they can be really expensive. But what about you, heavy
1: If you know me like in the real world and you would look at me, you would always see me have like latest-ish devices. Yeah. But this is why I I feel like I've, I need, good equipment to do my work. Like when I was working on all the music stuff, I needed to be able to take good photos at like concerts and stuff. So work got me a new good phone. And then it's the same because I actually got to choose what laptop I got at my new job now, because also, I mean, you say your company is wonderful and everything, and I agree, but I just think if you're requiring a person, like they need a laptop to work, (laughs) I think it should be the company that provides it. I think that is just... That is the only thing that makes sense to me. You can't expect someone who just got a job to also pay for their device. So,
0: Oh, no. To clarify, like, I totally agree that they should pay for your first laptop. Yeah. But I don't think that everyone has a policy that they will keep paying for your oh, laptops every okay. three years. So, okay, yeah, that's a good point. I totally agree that if they're asking you to work from a laptop. Uh, they should be providing that laptop. And all of the companies that I have worked for have provided that initial laptop, but I had never seen Mm. anyone be like, okay, now we'll pay for a new one every three years. Okay,
1: that's a good point. Yeah. But then when I was getting my laptop this time, they actually asked if I had an opinion on it. And it was funny because the new Mac Airs are really good and they look really good. But I just, I was like, I just want a pro. I don't want to have, you know, when you turn on Zoom and all the fans go off like crazy and then everything crashes. Yeah. I was just like, I cannot live like that. Haley. I was so glad when you finally got the pro. <laughs> yeah, I was on the air forever. Oh my God, it was driving me crazy. And I was like, Haley, you are a professional. You should have the pro. <laughs> and I feel like if you're a student or something and you don't need the full capacity, that's fine. But I definitely need the pro. And I some people in my work were like, oh, but you like you only use a browser. It's not like you're using it for coding or something. And I was like, it doesn't matter. I have like a million things open and I need to edit podcasts and I I need the pro. Absolutely. Okay, our next question
0: is from Simon in England. And he asks. What
1: writing apps do you use? Oh my God, this question. I could talk about just this question for like a whole episode. (laughs) (laughs) I could
0: not. So I'm surprised that you could.
1: Oh, really? Okay.
0: Very straightforward answer. I just use Google Drive and it syncs across all my devices because sometimes I'll pick up my phone and I'll have an idea for something and I'll start writing in Google Drive on my phone and then I will pick up my laptop again later and edit there. And then for the column that I do with built in. I also work with my editor in Google Drive and he will leave comments and I will I'll edit there. So I really don't use anything fancy. I just use Google Drive and like close all my notifications and put on you know like noise canceling headphones and that's I feel like that's a part of my writing apps is that I need to have have quiet and have space for them. But yeah, I really just use Google Drive.
1: Wow, I feel like I use that for work stuff, but then I don't know. And then I also use Notion for drafts. Really? I hate writing in Notion. Really?
0: I love Notion for a lot of things. I cannot write in Notion. I
1: feel like writing to me is not necessarily something I sit down and do as much as just something spills out of me and I just need something to capture it. Yeah. So this is why I have had this obsession with where does it all go and what structure do I need to build around it? Because when like the mood strikes me or whatever, I just grab whatever is closest to me. So... My iPhone notes are filled with drafts and things. And I think like for me, I just write to understand the world or whatever. So I have written, like no one believes me, but I have written like 2000 words on my phone at like 1 a.m. in like the notes app (laughs) on my iPhone. And like the the lack of discipline is kind of annoying because then I'm like, what do I even do with this? Like, is this even worth anything? I don't even know. Then I, so I use notes, For that and i love using the notes on the ipad apple notes yeah the apple notes and then i love using the notes on the ipad pro with the pen because then i can just write like handwritten notes okay that's really nice and then i obviously have my journal for like the morning pages i guess that kind of counts as writing i don't know if you want to include that or not and then for me google docs is so formal i feel like if i start a document in google docs it needs to have like a purpose and because of this it's just like i often use byword Because that just feels like a casual scrap of paper. (laughs) (laughs) Okay.
0: Yeah. Okay. This next question is from Twitter. What have you learned about yourselves Mm -hmm. going through this pandemic? Mm.
1: Oh, God, this is a really, this is a really interesting question.
0: The thing I've learned about myself going through this pandemic is like, I can keep busy. I'm, Mm. I have not gone stir crazy. I can come up with stuff for me to do. I'm not too worried about being home all the time. Like I am good at entertaining myself, whether it's reading or baking or cleaning or organizing. I have been really good at setting up those processes and then just keeping busy. And maybe it had to do with the year of the routine being at the same time as the pandemic for me. But I do feel like what I learned is just like, okay, I I can make it through this, like even if I'm not leaving home all the time or not seeing people all the time or not seeing my family or not traveling all the time this is definitely you know that this chunk of time that we've been in mm-hmm. has been the longest i've gone without traveling and the longest i've gone without seeing my family but i think that what i've learned is just i can keep busy like i can i can figure it out and i think especially reading has been really crucial for me because i feel like i can escape my normal day-to-day life in these books because I read all of these like fantasy and fiction books. So I really do feel like I'm
1: traveling within books. So, yeah. Yeah, that's a good answer. I feel like I kind of learned that a little bit because I thought I would like lose my mind. I feel like I haven't really lost my mind. I feel like I can also kind of keep busy. That's a relief. I have also realized though that like I definitely get energized from social interactions. So when I don't have that it kind of cuts me like, I think like my personality, like this is one of the things that's hard for me in the pandemic because like a part of my energy comes from interacting in like a social situation. Right. So being aware of that and navigating that has been something I learned. But I think like when I, when I came across this question the first time, what, what I kind of immediately jumped to is, this is kind of hard to answer without it going like super deep, but like I just, learned to trust like my judgment basically yeah it was like March 13th when I was in London and I looked around and I'm like this pandemic thing is going to be really bad in the UK and two days later I was gone and I really wish I would have been wrong and I was kind of hoping I'd be wrong so I could go go back but like I wasn't wrong (laughs) so I feel like I've learned that when I have to, I can kind of figure out what is happening and make decisions that make sense. So that is kind of a good thing to know about yourself. It's like, okay, you can make good decisions. I like that. Next section
0: is on remote work. All right, so these questions are from an email from Simon. Mm-hmm. So the first question is, could you imagine being tied to working 9 to 5 and commuting now that you've been set free and like the the idea of like being set free from from commuting. Simon had written a long email and we just we condensed it to this his last question. So I think this is an interesting question. I would struggle to work from an office but not because of a commute. Like I, I could imagine that being a factor, but it totally depends on the situation. Like if it's a short walking commute, I probably wouldn't mind. My commute in California when I lived there was past a lake in the morning and that always like cheered me up in the morning. I always loved that part of my commute before I got on a train. Um, But I, I would say that it would be a struggle for me to work in an office purely because of distractions and people. Those were my main struggles in an office. And then also just being extroverted, like, I wanted to talk to everyone all the time. Like, I would go refill on tea and I would get caught up in these conversations. And it just was not productive for me. So working from home, I don't have those those same issues. Obviously, there's other issues with working from home, but I do feel so much more productive at home and I, I feel much pr- more productive, like not feeling the need to start exactly at nine and, and leave exactly at five. And I feel like I can really set up my space the way that I want. So I would say that like, I would struggle to go back. I can't imagine going back to a nine to five office and like commuting there, but maybe not for the same reasons um, that the question implies.
1: Yeah. I feel like the framing here is is a little bit hard for me because I, I think we've talked a little bit about like how Haley loves working at home. And I, as soon as I can, go straight back to working in an office because I almost have the opposite problem. I feel like I just sit and I don't stop working. So that's why I have food in my calendar. That's why I need to have reminders to go for walks and stuff, because it's really easy for me just to sit and then I don't stop. But I feel like the question was really specifically on commuting. It was, it was interesting. And that that is something that I definitely take into account. I wouldn't love spending an hour and a half changing three trains every morning and then again in the afternoon every day or having to drive for two hours each way or something like that. I think I would struggle with that. And yeah, so in London, I worked walking distance from a co-working space. And now when I moved back to Reykjavik in Iceland, I initially lived like not in the downtown central area. I lived in like this other neighborhood. It wasn't like super far away, but it's it was far enough away that I always drove in. And I also just realized I don't really like driving. I find it stressful to find parking. and I don't like driving either. <laughs> yeah, so I, when I was, because that was all kind of like a temporary accommodation. So when I was looking for a, like a more permanent place to live, I it was important to me that I'd be able to walk to work because I didn't want to have to have a car. And obviously if I would have been in a position where I, I have to, it would have looked a little bit differently. But both in London and now in Reykjavik, I have purposefully, very strategically and deliberately set up my life so I don't have a long commute because I think that's just like a huge quality of life. It's really nice to have your whole life within walking distance. So... For me, I have always now deliberately made choices on not having a really bad commute every day because I think it can have a lot of impact on just your day to day happiness. Yeah,
0: I totally agree. And the research fully supports that, by the way, which I find really, really fascinating. And so some of this, I'm going to quote research that I led. So the state of remote work (laughs) for Buffer. One of the the questions that we asked is, what's the biggest benefit you see to working remotely? And 21% of people said not having to commute like a huge chunk of people said, I don't have to commute. And that is the biggest benefit to me. And I just think that's always fascinating every year to see what people find as a top benefit. And then the other thing that I find really interesting. So there's so much research that shows that commuting is stressful and the worst part of Mm -hmm. someone's day. So the Ford European Commuter Survey surveyed commuters in a couple of different European cities. And they found that it caused the commute, caused more stress than their actual jobs, or even, we oh put this in parentheses, or even the dentist.
1: <laughs> oh my God. This is, I thought, I know we always mention the same people on this podcast, but I don't care. Hank Green made a really good video a few years ago on, it is the single biggest factor of happiness on your day-to-day is commute time. I would have to find it. He referenced some research that I don't remember But it was he basically laid out how specific neighborhoods, because of where they are, means that commutes are longer, have higher rates of divorce.
0: Wow.
1: Because it just means that like your partner is always late at home and then you're always annoyed because then they missed kids dinner or, you know, whatever. And it just creates frustration every single day. And yeah, it's. It really matters to get this, like, I didn't know we were going to go here, but like, yeah, (laughs) this matters. And on the like more happy plus side, I remember there was this um, interview with Jerry Seinfeld, the comedian, obviously a legend. And he is probably one of the wealthiest entertainers in the world because, you know, Seinfeld. And he got asked in an interview, I don't know if I'll be able to find that either, but I'll try. Uh, He got asked, what is the biggest luxury all your wealth has bought you? Or afforded you. And he said, this is what he said. He said, being able to walk to the office. Oh, yes. So yes. I just live the Seinfeld way.
0: Haley, <laughs> that is. I mean, I do too. It's just I walk in my pajamas to a different room in my house. <laughs> yes. so. No, I don't wear pajamas to work. I walk in comfortable clothes to my. Now that is like everyone's office, barefoot. Yeah. Now this is
1: like everyone's reality as well. Is um working from home. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's a really good question. Thank you, Simon.
0: And I think that leads really well into his next question too. Just since you know everyone has had so much more experience working with home, is how mm-hmm. do you deal with distractions
1: when working from home? See, I, I am like the opposite of this. I had this the other day where my friend who is new to working from home, COVID situation when this happened was in a reasonable place. And I reached out to her and I was like, hey, do you want to co-work? Maybe that would be nice. And she was like, oh yeah, I could really use it because it's so like, I get so easily distracted at home. Like that's what she said. Mm. And I, I realized when she said this, I was like, wow, I feel like I need it exactly for the opposite reason. Because when I sit down and start working... I am so bad. I mentioned this a little bit earlier, but I'm so bad at like having a lunch break or taking a break. So for me, when I'm like, if we would be co-working together, we would have like a natural point in our day where we would go for lunch or, you know, these like little breaks or we would have like a little chat somewhere in the middle of the day. But when, if it's just me at home, I, I just keep going. Yeah. And that is not good either. Like that is for sure. bad. And this is why. I, yeah. So I, I have to strategize for the opposite reason. But I'm not being like, oh, look at how perfect I am. Like, no, this is really bad. This is a really bad situation I'm in. I know I'm working on it. But this is why I find it so hard to work from home because it's also not a clear end of the day for me. Yeah. What I like about going to the office is then when I'm home, I'm home and I don't have to work anymore. But yeah, I actually find this hard. But what is your answer to this? I think it's
0: interesting. I think some of the stuff that you talked about we'll get into in the next question. But for for distractions when working from home specifically, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think there are a lot of them. (laughs) I do, I 1000% will for the rest of my life believe and know that this is true for me, that I am more productive when I work from home. So I will probably always want to work from home. But there are just like the reality is there are just distractions. So a couple of them, I'll list out the distraction and like what I have found over the years since I have been working from home for almost five years now. (laughs) So the one of the distractions is people calling. They know that you're at home. So they'll just call. Mm. And that's usually my family because they know that I'm at home. So I just don't pick up sometimes because I'm working and I'll text them and say like, here's when I will be free next or I'm in a meeting or I'll be free at this time. And they're so good with that. So I just make sure to set boundaries with my family. So like my sister knows that I usually take lunch around 12. And so she'll either text me first and be like, are you on lunch? Do you want to talk in a bit? Or she'll call after 12 my time and so that we can talk. So I think people calling is one. And my solution to that has just been like setting boundaries. Another one for me, this is maybe more because I have this wasn't an issue for me when I lived in Toronto in a condo and like a mm-hmm. building downtown. And this wasn't an issue for me when I first started remote working. I was working from a farmhouse <laughs> with my mom in the middle of nowhere. Aww. This has been an issue for me when I live in the U.S. because I've, we generally live in the suburbs. And so when I was in Colorado and now in Virginia, people come to your door. Like people just show up at your door. Um <laughs> solicitors you know people girl scouts like just like people show up at your house and this was new for me in Colorado I remember being like who are these people why are they at my house and we weren't even (laughs) near downtown Colorado Springs like we were in the middle of nowhere anyways so my solution to this is not to answer the door so we have a security camera out front and I have the app for it on my phone so I will check like if it's someone dropping off a package uh Maybe I'll go down and get it. But if I check and it's someone I don't know and I don't know why they're at my phone and maybe they're wearing a name tag, I just leave them there. Like, I'm like, (laughs) I feel no obligation to answer the phone. Oh, that's so good, though. My husband isn't home because he's at work. I'm at work also. And even though I'm at home, I'm at work. So I'm not going to come answer the door and talk to you about the lawn fertilizer that you're trying to sell me or the (laughs) event that you're trying to get me to come to. Like, it's just... I'm not going to waste my time on this. So I just ignore them. <laughs> that's that's a good policy. Sorry, I didn't realize I was going to get so riled up at this, but <laughs> it like really bothers me.
1: <laughs> yeah. Actually, the thing, the boundary thing, I feel like, I have I feel like, especially just last little while, I've been so just trying to find a new rhythm. And so I've almost taken it too far. I'm like, no, I'm just busy all the time. Just <laughs> don't call. So no one calls you ever. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm. I'm working on a better balance. Don't worry. Yeah. It's always, and this stuff is always a work in progress. Yeah. This is, and the thing is, I have gotten it in like a really good routine, but I feel like as soon as something is a little bit off or something changes in your life, this is always the thing that you have to adjust now or reevaluate or re-implement or re- like, I wish there was just like a thing you're like, oh, yeah. My work from home routine is now perfect and distraction free. And like that is just never the case. Yeah. The next one is kind of unique to me. Uh, I have a lot of pets. And I was going to say, if the dogs don't come into this, I would be like, you are not being true. Hey, and the pets. Let's be honest. Sometimes it's the cats. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the
0: cats. But yeah. So I have, for listeners who don't know, I have two dogs, two big dogs, and two cats. And most of the time, It's different now that my husband has worked from home more because sometimes they'll go and hang out with him. Most of the time, though, they hang out with me. My office is also the space for the cats. So that's where their food and water is and where one of their beds is. And so, yeah, pets can be distracting. I keep one of the cat beds on my desk and most of the time it's just like, oh, look cute. There's a sleeping cat next to me while I'm working. How adorable. But sometimes when she's awake, she needs to be on top of my keyboard or on top of the notebook I keep next to me or she wants to be my face during a meeting. And so sometimes I have to throw her off the desk, not physically throw her, but, you know, like I just kick her off or put her back in her bed multiple times. So, like sometimes that can be distracting.
1: Didn't I send you that meme where it was like, how do I get ready for work? And the cat had been like duct taped to the wall. Oh my goodness. Yeah. How do I get ready for a call
0: for like a Zoom call or something? Yeah. It's like you duct tape the cat to the wall. Yeah. 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 And then there are just there are so many things with pets. You never know. I have this memory of I was in a Zoom call back in my Colorado house and in my background was a window and I had the two windows behind me fully open to let in the air like it was a really nice day. And I just have this memory of I was I was talking in this meeting with multiple other people on my team, and I, I saw something go flying behind me, and I was like, what just happened in my video? And I turned around, and one of my cats had jumped onto the window screen and was, like, spider-manning <laughs> up the screen. And we were on the second floor, so if the screen had fallen out, she would have fallen to the— So I, oh, like, God. jumped up in the middle of the meeting to detach my cat from the screen of this
1: window. Oh, God, I feel like that is that as far as the distraction goes, it's probably just good for you to look up from your work every now and then. I feel like that isn't isn't yeah. like a bad one.
0: It can be a pro and a con. And the dogs are great at that. Like the dogs need to go outside or the dogs, yeah. you know, like they need entertainment. I really can't just sit there all day like that. I have to let the dogs out multiple times a day or, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. All right, last distraction for me, new from the pandemic. I never had this issue before in my years of remote working until after the pandemic started, uh, is that my husband is at home now. <laughs> <laughs> So I think this is like a reality for a lot of people working from home who haven't enjoyed working from home is like they're not the only ones at home. And I lived in this like blissful, beautiful place of being (laughs) alone, working from home. I had the whole house to myself. No one else was around. And now it's like sometimes my husband would walk into my office or start talking to me or like if he's not working. Especially when the pandemic first started, they had no clue what to do with them. Like, they just, they didn't know what to do with them. So he literally had nothing to do. So he would be, oh I'm on, like, uh, the top floor. So he would be on the floor below me and I could hear the TV. Like, he would just be watching movies or watching YouTube or whatever he's watching. (laughs) So there are all of a sudden, and, like, I don't even have kids yet. So... (laughs) (laughs) i don't even have that side of what i know people who have kids that's like a major distraction i just simply cannot speak to that and habby cannot speak to that i can the best i can speak to is letting my dogs out to pee which is not the same so that is not the same yeah like the only other like human distraction that i have is my husband and again that just comes down to boundaries and communication like he just knows Mm -hmm. when i'm in meetings or i'll tell him like i really like don't come into my office uh, this morning because I'm focused on something or whatever it is. Sometimes he'll walk into my office and I just won't even make eye contact. and I'll be like, I can't talk right now. Like I need to talk later. And <laughs> is this urgent? And he'll like, okay. So it's just been like a lot of boundaries and communication. I don't think we have that one perfect yet. even Despite like nearly a year of this being our, our situation now, I think that's yeah. just always a work in progress. But yeah, other humans it's are hard. very distracting yeah. as
1: well. Also, it's also just hard because do you really want to be that person? Like, I I feel like I because I was so distracted by the other way of this question, but I have had people come to the door that I have literally sent away. I'm like, I don't have time for you right now. Like people that, you know, I guess that's
0: the difference is no one that I know would come to my door.
1: Yeah, I know. Yeah, people I know. But it's but what makes it hard and I know boundaries are just good to have boundaries, but it's it's hard when it's like somebody you care about and but you're just like, I'm busy now, <laughs> leave me alone. <laughs> like it is, Yeah, it is tricky. It is tricky. And I think that is absolutely just the, this is what everyone in the world is going through. Like this is just yeah. what it means when we have this major transition happening. And yeah, even if we get it right, sometimes it's still, it's a constant like little turning up little switches, a little higher, a little lower kind of thing to get it right. Okay. So the next question is, what do you think are the downsides of being remote workers? I'm going to be honest. I think there are a lot of downsides. Okay. And I think we
0: both love the upsides of this. Mm -hmm. So maybe we don't talk about the downsides as much, but I do think that there are some big downsides and there are some pretty serious downsides to being a remote worker. And I, I think, Heavy, like, I think you touched on this with mm-hmm. what you were talking about in the last question is just like the, I call this overwork. Like it's easy to work all the time because you work from home and your devices are your office. And I struggle with this in Toronto because my place was really small. So there wasn't a lot mm-hmm. of places that I could go to physically escape where my office was. I lived in a bachelor apartment in Toronto. And then when I first moved there, I didn't really have a network. So it was just easy to keep working all night because that was the thing I was doing doing. And I it, I like didn't leave home. I had to start creating those routines. But I think that point that you made about like overwork is one of the downsides of being a remote worker is that like you aren't going to get pulled out of work. Yeah. Like again, this is saying like as two people who have spent a lot of time working alone at home, not as people who have like four children running around their house. So like there is. Yeah. Just, that is a distinction. Our perspective doesn't include that type of remote work.
1: And I think that is like so, that is so, I remember actually giving you a bit of talking to in Toronto about this. I was like, Haley! You did. Yeah, you gave
0: me talking to.
1: (laughs) And I feel like I kind of now need, I need that talk because my methods of dealing with this in my previous life was I always just had plans. I was always doing stuff. But like now I'm like, oh, either I can kind of like finish this project. Or what? Nothing what? Like everything I could potentially enjoy doing is exactly what you can't do because of the pandemic. And I am just not really like a Netflix person. I can't sit and watch Netflix for four hours every single day. That is just, I'm not judging the people who do that. And I actually kind of am envious that like, it sounds really cozy, you know? (laughs) I just, I get so restless and I can't do that. So It's hard when you have to be at home and everything you do for fun and enjoyment has kind of been cut out. And then also you have a lot of stuff to do. So you're kind of like, oh, why don't I just like cut down on this to-do list a little bit longer? But I mean, I get there was a reason we had that conversation in Toronto years ago. And I am aware that I kind of need... This is why I like an office because I feel like it builds a natural structure into my day that I find it a lot harder to put into place at home.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think it's real. I'll give you that talking to after the episode. The listeners don't need to hear it.
1: <laughs> uh, Thank you, but
0: we'll talk about that. But yeah, I think that's a genuine that's a genuine problem and then sort of like the other side of the coin there is the downside of being a remote worker is loneliness and isolation. Like this is a constant for other remote workers. I'm going to quote the state of remote work again. Twenty percent of people state loneliness as their biggest struggle with, mm-hmm. with it. And I, I think like it can be hard to get out of the house if you live in a remote area or if you are new to a city, which is what you're going through right now. You're new-ish to living where you are, even though that's where you're from originally. And what I was going through in Toronto, which is like I was completely new. I didn't have friends and then you know what i went through so i've kind of become an expert at this because i go through this everywhere we move where i don't know anyone and mm-hmm. it's it's like it's really it can be really difficult to get out of the house so you can feel really lonely and then it's now of course with the pandemic it that is all completely blown up like you can't my solutions to this had been plan things get out of the house for meetups or for events i think we were both we're both pretty extroverted which is maybe why we tend to want to spend our time outside of the house and doing things with people. And then for me too, I would have jujitsu in the evenings. I had to schedule that. And that would help me both stop working at a certain time and spend some time with people that I really liked and that we had the like this mutual shared interest. But I like loneliness is is just the reality of it is that this is a problem.
1: Yeah. And I feel like what's interesting is because I feel like I had a good handle on this when I could do that, when I could have plans, I would... I would almost never stay in the office like after six or seven, I guess, because I would almost always have somewhere to be by six or seven. So I would always be like rushing to get my work done before six and then leaving. And then I think that is like the way it should be. But another thing, because the question is, what are the downsides of being remote workers is I feel like I'm seeing this in a slightly different way now because suddenly everyone is working remote. And I feel like for companies like where you work or, you know, where where remote work is kind of built in from the ground up, these things are addressed in a different way. So it's like, okay, yeah. we can't have everyone in the same space. So like, what are the other alternatives? And like doing this year, everyone gets together thing. It, it kind of balances that out a little bit, but because everyone was just kind of forced into this really quickly, not every company had the opportunity to think it all the way through like that. So I think for a lot of people is... All of the obligations, you have all of those, (laughs) like you don't get any discount on the work. You still have to attend all your meetings and hand in every work. And that is totally fair. But what gets cut is the kind of, oh, you end up having lunch with someone from another department that you probably wouldn't have ended up talking to otherwise, or, you know, you have drinks after work and then somebody is a little bit silly and then you have like a little private joke like in the office and you can kind of give each other like, oh, ah, that was funny, you know? And those things are really hard to manufacture over Zoom or set up in that way. Yeah. Um. And I think that is like a, that is like a real big downside in my opinion. It's like you, you get the obligations and you get the responsibilities, but like the kind of, the fun parts they're a lot harder to to build in in that way.
0: Yeah, and I totally agree and I think the companies that are dedicated to remote work and were dedicated to remote work prior to the pandemic had that built in. They had in-person time built in, right? So for Buffer, we were doing annual in-person retreats the whole company and then annual on-sites with just your immediate teams, like the marketing team mm-hmm. would get together, the advocacy team would get together, etc. So I think the the thing is like I think that's a, a known downside of remote work is like there you miss out on the personal connection a lot of companies try to solve for this like if the idea isn't we never see each other the idea is just you have the flexibility to live most of your life the way that you want to and then once a year twice a year we get together in person and that's when you have those personal connections so like yeah I totally agree not being in person and not having those personal connections is a is a major downside and then like the way that we've solved for this at the company that I work for is to create that, obviously, when you can. When you can gather in person, turns out, is yeah. the asterisk on that that no one, <laughs> you know, had predicted. Yeah. Uh, some people had predicted, I'll, I'll say that. But, um, <laughs> so for us, it was like, yeah, that was the way to solve for that. And it, it made sense. And so I personally will take the downsides for the upsides. But yeah, I, I want to recognize
1: that there are some pretty big downsides. I think a lot of the downsides, like you said, are known like these things are known and what's good about when you know the downside is then you can be like, okay, so this is the problem. What can we do about it? Or how can we, how can we work against it either just on an individual basis or within teams and companies? Yeah. Yeah. And we actually just pulled, I came across this in the early pandemic from partners in health. They had 10 mental health tips for coronavirus, social distancing, And it's just about like what we've talked about a million times. But if anyone feels like they might need it, we'll put it in the show notes. It's just basically about, you know, exercise and don't forget to keep your mind engaged and all that good stuff. Yeah. All very important. Yes. Okay. can we talk about something more fun now?
0: Yes. So
1: the next section is on careers. Um, And the question is from Twitter, and this is how it goes. Any advice on negotiating salary after you finish school? And they include additional contacts we will be finishing grad school, but have never had a salary job. And then a little cry, smile, (laughs) laughing emoji. I love this. I think this is a really interesting question. I love
0: talking about salary and salary negotiations, too. So my advice for negotiating salary after you finish school is, first of all, is always negotiate. If like just always go into it negotiating because you never know what the other person might be holding back. That's just the reality of these situations. And then some some positions you can't negotiate for. Like I'm thinking of like government jobs where I don't really think they do very many negotiations, but I don't know. But always try. Always see what you can get. And if you can't negotiate on the actual salary, then negotiate on benefits. Negotiate on like, you know, maybe you negotiate on equity of the company if you're in the tech industry, or maybe negotiate on how many days you get off or what your vacation policy looks like. So my advice is always negotiate for one. And then the second piece of advice that I have is do lots of lots of research in your industry. There's an incredible Mm -hmm. amount of information online about salaries and about negotiating salaries and like you should be able to find everything that you need just by typing in the right search terms. But then also I will say the two resources that I will share are PayScale. They have a lot of information about salary data specifically. So they'll ask you a lot of questions about your career and your industry and how experienced you are. And then they'll be able to give you advice. And then Glassdoor, if you are negotiating salary with a really specific company, um, Glassdoor will sometimes have salary information for certain positions. But I will just say, like, do
1: lots of research. So that's my... Yeah. Is What What do you think on this one? The research part also is, like, the big one for me. Um, I recently had to negotiate a salary when I started my new job. And... That's right. Yeah, it was weird. It wasn't weird, but I was I was told, like, here's the call where we will negotiate the salary. So I, like, knew this was happening. It wasn't, like, just pushed on me, was obviously is a good thing. Yeah. And I... I feel like in my old job I had, there was like a system, like if you were a certain level, you had a certain pay. So there wasn't like a negotiating way of doing it.
0: That's how my job is currently.
1: Yeah, so I think this is the first time I actually had to negotiate a salary. So first thing I did is I (laughs) researched, I researched what would be a good pay for this kind of job in the UK, which is where I came from. And in the US, because uh, our company business in America and then also for Iceland and then the people in my family have have employed people so I asked them what is a reasonable pay for this kind of job and pretty quickly I had a reasonable range to like I knew what the range would be and I actually would recommend just to talk to people about it I talked to so many I think I talked to you about Haley um yeah. I talked to both my parents about it. Um, I talked to my friend who works like in accounting about it. I asked her about like shares and stuff because like tech companies, like you mentioned, often do shares. And I just feel like I had no idea what I was really walking into. So I, I think my tip here to summarize is know what you're asking for. Yeah. Go in knowing what you'll be asking for. I think that really helps because then obviously if you then can negotiate further, that's great. But that's my number one thing is Do your research to the point where you know what you want to ask for and make sure to include what Haley mentioned, like holidays and even like depends on where you are in life. But like know their policies about family leave or definitely sabbatical or whatever, just because this is the time to ask those questions, because these are really hard things to negotiate once you're in. But yeah, number one, know what is the industry standard, and know what you want to ask for. And then another thing I would just kind of recommend you to prepare for is that you are having this conversation once. The person you're talking to has had this conversation many times. (laughs) Yes, I learned that the hard way. (laughs) Yeah, and there's like a power imbalance in this conversation. So I would also research separate from kind of like salary expectation I would also research what are the kind of questions that I could be asked and what's the right way to answer them so for an example are you supposed to give up the number up front or are they supposed to give the number up front this is a good thing to kind of know yeah that is my second tip is like no going in you're going into a conversation where you are like there's a power imbalance there I think that's good advice all right so the next question or do you have anything to add Nope, that's it. Um, and the next question is, I really like this question. This is from Martin. This is from an email we got around last Christmas. So, And I think Martin's also in England, right? Yeah, he's in England. I think he's in okay. York. York. Do you know where York is, Haley? No, that doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> I'm sorry, Martin. <laughs> <laughs> like North England. It's the York that makes New York the new one. Oh, fun. <laughs> heavy <laughs> fact right there. I'm here all day. <laughs> <laughs> so Martin sent us an email that was longer than the question we we're going to ask, but we summed it up to be, how do I manage my design work? So he's an engineer. So he designs stuff as part of his job. So the question is, how do I manage my design work versus managing a team? So he has a team that he's managing. And the question is basically, and we kind of sum- sum summarized it, is like, How do you balance the actual work, the work work, if you will, (laughs) versus everything else, which can be email, Slack, uh, assigning projects to others, whatever. Did I summarize this well, Haley? Yeah, I think so. And I think you should start on this one. Okay. I relate to this question so hard. I feel like, thankfully, not normally, but I feel like I've definitely, both in my old job and in my new job, had points where I feel like I just have to make the decision. It's like, am I going to do my job and just decide that I'm going to fall behind on emails and messages and all of that? Or am I going to stay on top of everything? And I feel like I've had hit like this real fork in the road. It's like I can't do both. And I basically have to make the call. Can I afford falling behind on messages and prioritize like my actual work? Or do I kind of have to stay on top of this, even though that will delay some deadlines or whatever so I hard relate also just like from a personal perspective I don't really like being in this position I feel like I am much better when I'm proactive so I really really don't like falling behind on my messages and my emails and that kind of thing so do you relate to this Haley? or do you have anything to say about this yeah
0: I think that like the caveat here is I don't have experience managing a team so my so, the, yeah, the difference between his question, like, how do you manage design work versus, like, managing a team, like, as in managing people, doesn't quite apply to us as neither of us manage a team. But that idea of, like, how do you manage, like, the work work, the actual work, the, like, writing or strategy or design work versus everything else, which is responding to emails, mm-hmm. that I definitely do resonate with. And I think for me, it, you this, you know, obviously this is just constantly a, a balance. Mm-hmm. And my only solution that I have come up with that works with me is to do them at several times. So I just can't do them all at the same time. It is too distracting. So I carve out different times. So maybe I'm doing email in the morning and like strategy work in the afternoon or doing them on fully different days. Like sometimes my email gets so bad and I just leave it all for the end of the week. And then I spend the rest of my time like focusing on the work that I'm trying to do and the writing that I'm trying to do and really getting that done. But I will say for one-to-ones for like team management specifically, I heard this advice once from someone who said that she does all of her one-to-ones on the same day so that she's always in the same zone. Um, And obviously that's not necessarily possible for everyone, but I thought that was really interesting. So whether it's like, oh, your one-to-ones are always in the same day, like they're always Tuesdays or they're always in the same, they're always afternoons or whatever it might be. I think like splitting them is the only way that I've been able to
1: balance it. Yeah. All my one-on-ones are on the same day. Like I don't have a team, but like the, the companies, all the one-on-ones are on the same day. That's funny. Just, and on Tuesdays. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> it is Tuesdays. That was <laughs> so funny that you said
1: it. Yeah. <laughs> and it was on like a cycle. So it's not like every Tuesday, but yeah. So I agree with Haley. I, I definitely do this. These are like two separate parts of my day and I do it per day. And the way I've managed to reframe it recently in a way that I think is going to stick is I... Every morning I do, and it's now under the banner of daily inbox triage.
0: Mm.
1: And I list out there, because I feel like all of the kind of management of things, so like the second part, comes to me in the form of an inbox of one way or another. It comes into Asana, it comes in through Slack, it comes in through email. And I've just kind of put this bucket as like, okay, this I'm just tackling this as like email triage. This can obviously take Hours and hours and hours, but I frame it as triage. So every morning, so like while I'm just drinking my morning coffee, I do this like email triage or inbox triage where I just kind of review everything. I don't necessarily go to inbox zero. So what I like about the inbox triage is that it implies that I'm not necessarily getting to everything. It just means I'm scanning everything. Right. And then if I'm really busy with like I am contributing to a project and it needs my work, This might only be an hour, maybe like the first hour I'm working. Most of the time is maybe like one or two hours, and then after lunch I do my work. Work. That's how I do it.
0: Nice. I like that.
1: And then oh, there's another thing. (laughs) I'm so proud of this because I feel like I advocated for this. Is my work has uh, implemented a meetingless Monday. I feel like that handle this on like a not on a day-to-day level, but on like a weekly level. So. I don't, like I said, I I love working proactively, so I don't like getting an email or something that is kind of, I'm caught off guard by it. So I really like being able to just clear all my inboxes and clear out everything. And that is normally how I like to spend my Monday. Nice,
0: Yeah, I've heard variations of this, I guess. I worked at a place where they did no meeting Tuesdays and Thursdays. And those were also one of those days you could work from home and, uh, I've also heard of people do Deep Work Wednesdays, which is a Cal Newport thing, who's the author of Deep Work mm. we've talked about on the show before. So, yeah, I think mm-hmm. like some variation of that generally works for a lot of organizations.
1: Yeah. And it's so nice to have something that is like catchy like that. Yeah. And then you can just refer and we've even d- done it where when this got implemented, we changed all of our internal meetings, but it even extended to the person that works the most with our customers she now asks them to not have them on Mondays, and we work with an agency, and we ask them to not have our meetings on Mondays. So it's it's like cascaded through everything we do. Everyone has the meetingless Monday, which is just I love it, so beautiful, and I really like that. Yeah,
0: I yeah. Love that. Okay, okay. Next question is from Chloe in Canada. Ooh, look at that accent! And, uh, <laughs> I happen
1: to know that Chloe is French, <laughs> so.
0: That is the uh, proper
1: pronunciation. (laughs) I'm glad we are being correct. I appreciate it. We are
0: being accurate. Um, And so her question is, what would your choice be for a career change?
1: Ah, do you know? Do you want to go
0: first? I have a couple of thoughts on this. (laughs) Okay. I think it's so interesting. It's so fun to consider this. It's always really fun to just consider different ways that you go in your career. And then honestly, that you can go like a lot of people switch careers multiple times. There were not in this mm-hmm. world where it's impossible to do that. So I think that's why it's so fun. I have a couple answers. I think one of the most obvious career changes for me could be switching into like maybe sort of an adjacent world, which would be instead of being a public relations person for companies, which is what I do now. I could imagine being an online image consultant for individuals. So sort of (gasps) that like personal branding element. We've talked about LinkedIn a lot, which we were going to mention anyways. Uh, This career section, if you're interested in more about this career section, we do talk about LinkedIn a lot in episode 18. And that is a strength of mine. And that's something that I just love and enjoy doing. So I could see myself being one of those people. And it's so funny. I just had an an executive at Buffer reach out to me about like an online image question and she was like I feel like you're the person to ask about this and I was like I really appreciate <laughs> that you thought of me um and so I could see that being something I don't even know if that's a thing I don't follow anyone that does this but I could see myself sort of being in that sphere
1: of online image consultant that is I feel like celebrity manager I would take that I I like this direction but like the branding specifically like the online branding. yeah yeah,
0: yeah I would really like that so that's my like real thing I could see myself doing
1: that's awesome
0: the other the other thing is and I don't know that we've ever talked about this I actually love event planning I <gasps> used to do event planning for fun like I volunteer with an organization that we would run events one of my old jobs I was the event planner this is actually how you and I met Habby was that mm-hmm. I well I was in town because I was planning an event or else we would never I don't know, if been in the same town at the same time. (laughs) Probably not. Which is kind of funny, but I was planning an event for this company. And so I was in Portland Mm -hmm. and I used to like throw parties for them essentially, which is really fun. And I was just one of those people that was maybe unsurprising to the listeners. I loved planning my wedding. Like someone recommended, <laughs> yes. oh, you could hire someone. And I was like, why would I take the fun away? Why would I give these <laughs> spreadsheets to anyone else? Like this is absolutely <laughs> not. So I've even offered to plan weddings for some of my friends or like consult with them. So I've like sent the spreadsheets I've to others. This too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I think that that like I love events. I love how there are a million details and you have to think on your feet. Like at, at my wedding, one of the pro- we had problems come up. And I love that, like, creative problem solving. <laughs> of we have to fix this issue. Like we didn't have enough bouquets for all of the uh, bridesmaids. And we had to solve that by just someone didn't have a bouquet, which was totally fine. And we figured it out. And like, I remember one of the events I did when I was in university, we were trying to do hors d'oeuvres. And there was no oven in the space. And then we were told there would be an oven in the kitchen. And of course, just being like in university, we didn't double check. Like, I don't know. It was like my first event, I think, that I was throwing. And so we like ran to someone's dorm and grabbed a toaster oven and did all the hors d'oeuvres. <laughs> and someone's to- like, I love that stuff. I love that problem solving. So I could see myself being an event planner too. But I don't stay in the same city for long enough. So I don't know how that would how that would work.
1: Oh, yeah. I, lo- I think this is why we get along because I feel like our answers are not crazy far away from each other. I didn't really go down the what is a job that I almost have. Mm. I feel like your first answer was a little bit like, yeah, but I don't know if I ever even told you this, but I like this was something I've pretty seriously considered. Well, the first answer, if you give two, I'm not going to give two as well, is I don't know if I told you this, but I looked into if I could be a spy because I thought that was cool. Oh, my God. That's my
0: joke answer that I was going <laughs> to say, like, also
1: not serious, but like,
0: I would love to just be a spy <laughs> just through like the languages
1: and the travel <laughs> and the martial arts. I looked into it and I am basically non-qualified because these... Does Iceland have spy- Well, obviously, who wants to be an Icelandic spy, Haley? Like, what are you spying on? Like fish prices but
0: have it usually spies have like an allegiance to their country
1: <laughs> see this is what I was going with it because I was like the interesting agencies were like this would be like the MI6 or the CIA or something like that they care about loyalty to your nation oh my and goodness of because- <laughs> course they do <laughs> <laughs> and because I'm not like born in England or whatever oh this career path is just that to me and i think this is like the only thing in the world where like if i wanted to do it it is just not possible and i think maybe some icelandic people are like in the norwegian spy agency and i'm like i love you norway but like no i don't want to be like a norwegian spy agency hayley that is not where i'm going with this like what are you I didn't even know that Norway had a spy agency. <laughs> I don't know, or maybe Denmark or something. And I'm like, yeah, what are they spying on? Like, I don't even know what, what they're spying on. It's like, oh, is everyone too happy with our, you know, balanced life? You know, I don't know. So <laughs> that career path is dead to me. But and I'm a little bit sad about it. And I did look into this. I was, I'm I genuinely not looked into this. I'm um, not surprised. But the other role that like sounds maybe kind of funny, but like I did consider it is. Like film production. Mm, yeah, I could see this for you. Yeah. So do you want the backstory or is that enough of an answer?
0: You could share a little bit more. Give the people <laughs> a little bit more than just film production.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I actually when I was studying in London, I was kind of stepping between like film music, film music, film music. And then I realized I have like not even seen Star Wars. <laughs> and I'd been hanging out with bands since I was like 15 and going to concerts all the time. So maybe like the the choice was a lot more clear than I thought. But what I love about like the film production side is I just, it's so similar to what you were saying about the event planning. It's just the, just the scale of the operation. There's like a hundred people there and everyone is doing a job and everything has to go exactly right because it costs like $20,000 every second on set or something. And you just have to have everything go exactly right all the time. And the the reason I kind of started being interested in this, like from when I was little, was um, and I don't think I was told you this, when I was maybe like fourteen, we lived in this like big house in the suburbs. And my mom's friend called her and like late at night. And he's like, oh, my God, can we use your living room to film this music video? Oh, my gosh, that's so funny. And my mom is just like, sure, whatever, kind of half asleep. And then she's like, oh, God, what did I sign this up for? And the music video that was getting filmed was um, Iceland submission to Eurovision that year. Okay, do we have a copy of this that we
0: can include in the show notes? Is this like an available thing?
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's like a video and everything. Like, this is so funny. That was filmed in my house. Yeah. Uh, by the way, the furniture was like set pieces that were brought in. So you can't tell that it was filmed in my house. And like, there's no indication anywhere. So like, it doesn't look like our house did or anything. But it was your house. But it was not our house. And it was so funny. I was like 14. And the guy who was in Eurovision for on Iceland's behalf that year... He was like, you know, a big pop star. And I was 14. And I was like, oh, I'm obviously way too cool for this, you know, (laughs) that person. But then I, yeah, then my sister, she was like a little bit younger and she wasn't. She was like, he had been in the production of Greece as like Danny, you know. Wait, Wait, the Icelandic version? Or? Oh, it was just, you know how like theater does this? They put up like theater shows. Oh, a theater version. Okay. Yeah, like a famous. I was like, I was like, he
0: wasn't Danny in Greece. So like what version of Greece? No, 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 no. It was like the about?
1: the Icelandic theater Greece. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And my sister had like a poster of that or an album or something. And she got it signed because we got to go visit the sad. And my sister like got that signed. And I was kind of like, oh, I'm too cool. But then I totally wasn't. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and then um we we were there for like five minutes. We basically got permission to like visit the set and that was it. And all of our house was like upside down. They had like taped all the windows dark because they obviously need to control the lighting and everything. And my mom, she pointed me to this like girl, she looked really young. She was just kind of sitting there, looked like she was kind of unimpressed by everything. And she was like dressed in all black, like black on black on black and not really paying attention to any of us. And she clearly just was, I don't even know what she was doing. She wasn't on her phone because this was like way too earlier for that she was just doing stuff anyway and my mom kind of points her out to me and she's like look at her can you see her and I'm like yeah and she's like what do you think about her and I was like I think she looks kind of cool like what is she doing and she was like she's the one running this whole operation Uh. and she was like the producer of this video and she was like you know she gets to tell him what haircut to have you know Uh. talking about the pop star and I was just like this is so cool and it was just it was a big production it was like cameras on those like like train tracks and it was like a real shoot and I just thought it was so cool she was just kind of sitting there making sure everything went according to plan but looked like she didn't care and I was like I want to be hurt when I grow up oh my goodness and I did consider it but then when I realized that I haven't really watched that many movies maybe I wouldn't have the kind of passion for it that maybe this wouldn't be my jam
0: I think the fit for you wouldn't be movies it would be music videos
1: yeah maybe Maybe you're right. Maybe I should have gone down the music. I don't think there's a lot of, I think it's a pretty brutal industry,
0: (laughs) Right. But like, it is like, I mean, from what I see, they spend a lot of money on music videos, some of these celebrities. So
1: that is true. But yeah, so I did consider like going more into film when I was like working on the music, like when I was like taking my first steps, but I realized music was like a way better fit for me. But yeah, I I can. And even to this day, sometimes there are a lot of things get filmed in Iceland and just the other day I was walking around and there was this big film set like on the main street and there was just like 100 people there and everybody was wearing masks and really professional and if people got too close they were like just tell you there's a, there's filming happening here and they I was just like oh this is so cool I just love these mm. big like logistical operations that just have yeah. to run smoothly that's that's what I would that would be my choice for a career change
0: I love that but for events specifically I'm also not huge like and neither of us are big movie or tv people which is not to say that that is like better than anyone else that's just the way that we are that's just Mm -hmm. different than others but yeah neither of us are big movie or tv people so i think the same thing like it's like i i couldn't be in that yeah industry really but (laughs) i love the i i do love the logistics and the organizing and and figuring all of that out and having to have a plan and yeah that's always what i loved about events it was so fun
1: yeah, I also love, I feel like I kind of satiate my events neat by, especially when I was doing all the music stuff and then also just m- my life and planning <laughs> big birthdays and stuff. So I feel like I get Fair. the kind of event. But yeah, that would also be, Haley maybe one day we we'll, we can do something with this. Hey, we would throw, we would throw, would
0: throw great events. Also, we could totally run an event agency. Ooh. This is a separate business that we'll have to talk Are about.
1: Are we doing a side business to our side thing? <laughs> Hey, who knows? Maybe
0: one of these becomes our main thing.
1: <laughs> okay, so I think this leads us perfectly into the last section we have here is just titled fun. Uh-huh. And these are the more kind of fun questions that we got. And they are also important. I think that this, these are great questions. These are all very valid and interesting as well. And I think our
0: our answers to these might be because these are like shorter fun questions. Our answers might be a bit shorter to these, but mm-hmm. We'll see. So, the first one is an audio question. So, we will let um, Andrea
1: take it away. Hi, Haley. Hi, Abby. This is Andrea. I'm talking from the Seattle area. And my question is what are your favorite kind of snacks? It's so funny to me
0: that we've talked about tea like a bajillion (laughs) times on this show, and we've never talked about snacks.
1: I, yeah, I just, I just thought that when I was, I also, it wasn't easy for me to find an answer to this. I was like, I don't have as strong of an opinion on this. I've gotten into arguments uh, about tea on Twitter, but I've never gotten into an argument about snacks. I'm the same.
0: Yeah. I wrote down, like, this is not as straightforward as tea for me. There's just, there are a (laughs) lot of snacks that I enjoy, whereas for tea, it's, there's like, I have really strong opinions. But (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I mean, for snacks, I love chocolate. I'm a big chocolate person. So Mm. chocolate is delicious and I love cheese and specifically cheese curds, which are like a Canadian and like I think northern U.S. like in Wisconsin, they have cheese curds thing. Mm -hmm. Cheese curds are really good. Cookies, I make a lot of cookies. I've seen your cookies on
1: Instagram. They look. Yeah. They they look
0: delicious. I do a lot of baking and then like mango slices. I've been reaching for mango slices lately. So all these things Mm. are talking about it like None of them are really healthy, but this is moderation. (laughs) My small amounts
1: of these snacks. What about you? I wrote down my current favorite is you can get these rice cakes that have like chocolate on top. Do you know what I'm talking Um, about? Yeah, I do know what you're talking about. So good. And there's like a specific brand that I like. It's Belgian. I can find the link for the show notes. And I now only buy that brand because the other ones are just not as good. Hmm. So... Also for me is some people are able to have chocolate and stuff while they work. I don't think we've ever talked about this in the show, but I like can't do it. I like the sugar, I get like a really big sugar rush and a really big sugar crash. So I really can't do like chocolate or something while I'm at work. Obviously I have in the past done it at some point, but I really rather not. So I think maybe that's why I don't have such a strong snack preference because
0: Mm.
1: it's not as like integrated into my kind of work life yeah i don't have that issue i can eat chocolate anytime
0: (laughs) i um i'll also i'll add to this one of my other favorite snacks is popcorn
1: i really love popcorn oh i love popcorn as well yeah we have a did i tell you i don't know if i told you we have a specific popcorn what do you call it pop spice popcorn flavoring oh like a seasoning a popcorn seasoning seasoning? yeah we have an icelandic one that is like delicious yeah what flavor is it? It's just like, this will make you die earlier, but it's delicious flavor. <laughs> is it salty? Is <laughs> no. it sweet? Is it? Oh, it's not sweet. It's like salt. Okay. Salt. It's kind of like buttery, salty. Buttery, buttery salty. salty. Okay.
0: I, when, growing up, I would always do um, like a cheddar seasoning. So I would do butter and, and like a cheddar ah. seasoning. I haven't done that in years though. Now I pretty much just do like salt and a little bit of... Of butter but I can do like a sweet salty
1: popcorn too. I can't stand sweet popcorn.
0: Really? What about like sweet salty though? No. Like so I do popcorn where I'll mix together. I'll melt honey and chocolate and then I drizzle that on the popcorn and then I add um, sea salt on top
1: of it like big chunky sea salt. Mm. So it's like salty sweet. I love it. I mean that sounds real fancy but I just remember so when I was 18 I was an au pair in Luxembourg. I don't know if this has come up and that's another tiny nation. You went from one tiny nation to another. <laughs> yeah. Not just in population, but also in size. So the country of Luxembourg, which you can just drive through in like a couple of hours, only has one cinema. Oh. But it's like a really fancy one. And it has like 10 different rooms, like for like theater rooms or showrooms. And I went there a couple of times because like I didn't have a lot of things to do. And they did this super cool thing where you could do like a lottery movie or something they called I don't remember what they called it but they called it something like that and you would go in and it would be a movie that hadn't started showing yet so it'd be like a completely new movie but you didn't know what which one it was oh and so you kind of went in blind and I did it twice and one of the movies I saw was in Bruges which is like dark and intense and really not a like a fun watch, but it's really good. And then the other one I saw was Madagascar. <laughs> it's oh, like nice. The cartoon. <laughs> but I remember in one of these instances, I went and I got popcorn and I was so excited because it was such a cool cinema going experience. And I thought they had poisoned me because it was sweet oh popcorn And I had never even heard about it. So I didn't even know it was a thing. And you know that feeling when you're expecting one thing and then you get like a completely different thing. Yeah. And then suddenly your whole world is shattered and you're just devastated watching a movie with popcorn that you can't eat. That would suck. Yeah, that happened. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. What is your go-to feel-good item? This one is simple. It is like cozy socks. Ooh. And... My grandmother knows this, so she's made me like a million pairs and she now knows she's made me so many pairs, but she also just likes keeping her hands busy. <laughs> so <laughs> she's sometimes just like, do you want more? And I'm like, yes, I want more. So she got me a like a new pair recently and then, which was good because I had to take a pair to the sock doctor, which was her because somehow it ended up having a <laughs> hole in it. And I was so sad. sock doctor. So I took it to the sock doctor. So yeah, cozy socks. That's my, nice. that's my favorite feel good item.
0: What about yours? Like similar. I just a cozy sweater. Oh, nice. Yeah, it changes depending on the season, which sweater I want. Right now I have this not sweater, but like a shawl that I drape over me. And it's like very dramatic. If I twist around, it like spins around me so I can like oh. leave a room with a lot of drama, but also it's very cozy. So I like that shawl for many reasons. I stole it from my mom.
1: (laughs) I feel like I've seen you in shawls like this. So that's.
0: Yeah. I kind of like shawls kind of work with the generally how I dress. So I have a a couple of them. But the one I'm thinking of right now is like very big
1: and cozy and all black. Mm, That's really nice. I actually have one of those and it's like I haven't been reaching for it. Maybe now I should need to do that. Maybe I'll steal it next time I see you. <laughs> I'll need to hide it really Haley.
0: Okay. Our next question is also from Andrea again.
1: So let's hear it. Hi, Abby. Hi, Haley. This is Andrea from the Seattle area. So my question is about The Sims. Is... What generation of her family is Hayley on and how is she playing the game? Is she following any challenge rules from the Sims challenge or anything like that?
0: So uh, this (laughs) one's for me specifically about (laughs) The Sims, which is something that I took up again. I had played when I was younger and I took up again in the pandemic. Uh, And confession time is I have not picked up The Sims in months. (laughs) I, I think I just needed it in a certain phase of the pandemic and it was really good for me and I was using it on my phone a lot and it was it was just like it worked for me at the time and then I I put it down and I haven't uh, played it again. <laughs> I think I was on like my fifth generation when I stopped and I was doing all the challenges that I could because it was fun but I think I got to the point where um, and I was not using any cheats which I did when I was young but I got to the point where I was like really rich and like Everyone had great jobs, and, you know, I kept just, like, creating new Sims, and it was, like, it was boring. It's fun in the beginning. I like the, you have to work to get what you have, and you have, like, a (laughs) terrible place and, like, all this furniture. You like the grind. (laughs) Yeah. I liked the... I liked the journey and like getting to the place where I was like, yeah, I can invite people to my party and like I have a cool house now. But that only lasted for so long before I was like this isn't fun anymore. Like I liked the build up and like the journey and like we went from being a barista to a spy and like it was fun. So I, <laughs> That part was great and then I See that's the journey I wanted to be on and I you I were didn't. so close but Iceland is just not I know. you know there. Spying. But yeah. Maybe
1: we need to be more involved in the international crime unit for this to be a viable option for me again. You know
0: what? This could be your personal (laughs) mission. Iceland has no spy agency right now. Like, who's to say you can't start it? It's obviously a terrible strategy to announce it on a podcast prior to kicking off a spy agency. But like, we could cut this part.
1: (laughs) Maybe it isn't. Maybe it like throws everyone off, you know? There you go. It's like reverse psychology, you know? That's the thinking that will get you a spy agency. (laughs) Okay.
0: The next question is from Martin, and I think this question is for you, Happy. So I'll let you answer this one. What is the first song you'll play at the first party once there are parties again?
1: I thought about this a lot. Not surprised. The problem here is when you throw a party, Haley. You know what? This is so perfect for this. I have thought about so often if I should write a guide on how to throw a good party Mm -hmm. because. There are so many things you have to think about and all of these matter because you want the magic of the party. That's what you want. And so the the thing is with the first song at the first party is like there isn't a definitive starting point at a party to me because when you're organizing a party, you can't just like plan it, invite everyone to show up at eight, put snacks in a bowl and then just sit by the door at eight and hope somebody shows up. Or and then like people just start like trickling in it's not like everyone arrives at the same time and so the first song because you might want to start the party playlist before anyone shows up to get you like excited so the problem with this question is like what is the first song is it like when and also other thing you might do is you might not want to like wait by yourself or with just like your immediate closest people so you might want to invite like some friends over to get ready together or something like that so Then obviously you have to have like party music as well to get you all like hyped for the party. So the way I'm interpreting this question is like the party is already in place and people have trickled in. And now there's like a vibe happening and people are talking and everything. And then there's like a point at every party where everyone's getting bored with all these conversations and people just want to dance. And that is normally a point where somebody gets annoyed at the song that is on. And people want to like reach for the music and change the music. This happens all the time at parties. And so I, I'm interpreting the question as like, what is that song? What is the song that like the party is already happening, but like, is there, let's get everyone to the dance floor song? Okay. Are you following? Yeah. Does this make sense? Yep. And so this is a really good question. Really important question. These are hard hitting questions. We're taking this very seriously. I'm running through my list. I'm thinking, you know, Britney, I'm thinking Queen, like these are all great options. But I actually think I might go with like a little bit of a Dark Horse. And it is Haley, I'd be so delighted if you know this song, you must know this song. It is Alam F.A.O. Oh, no. I'm sexy and I know it.
0: Oh, Dark Horse, not the song Dark Horse. And... OK, cool.
1: <laughs> no, Got no, it. not a Dark Horse, Dark Horse song. Yeah. So it's Alam F.A.O. I'm sexy and I know it because I think that is also just the vibe people want to be in after the pandemic, people just want to be dancing and be happy. So that is my pick.
0: Nice. You have put a lot of thought into this. The reason I threw this question to you is because I will probably just turn on some pre-made playlist that someone with more knowledge of music (laughs) music than me has made, and I will just trust the list. Yeah. Okay. If you could acquire any skill, what would it be?
1: Mm, Okay. So I feel like I don't have a straightforward answer to this one either. I think like if this is a skill like coding or writing or something, Yeah. I feel like if I haven't already invested in those, I probably don't really care that much about it so I would just like to kind of continue building the skills I'm kind of on the path which are like yeah like writing communication and time management and you know being just working well with others but if it's to have a better answer than that because that's kind of boring if it's more for like a quality I feel like I would love to be like learn patience like I would love to be more patient I feel like that's not uh the have weren't particularly generous on the patient's bucket the day that I was born. So um, if there's oh something goodness. that like I don't have and I would love to be better at, like that's probably what I would do. Oh, my goodness. What about you? <laughs> Sorry, this is like the worst answer.
0: I have like a totally different answer to this. <laughs> what is your one? Okay, uh, well, I have several skill sets that I would like to acquire, but, like, if we're going top one, I would love legendary martial arts skills if I could just acquire that immediately instead of <laughs> all of the grueling work and you have to get beat up so many times to be good at this stuff. Like, I would, you know, I'm. and this is to your point about, like, if you have an invested energy... In it, it might not be a priority. I've invested many years of my life to get to my current state of martial arts, but there are <laughs> so many, you know, I could be so much better. So Okay, that's a good one. First up, I would love legendary martial arts skills. That's like my obvious answer to this question. I just immediately. But like just to give you an insight into the other things I would be interested in, patience is not on this list. Um <laughs> mine would be survival skills are also really interesting to me so like how do you build something in the woods like what plants can you eat or you can't eat and like making sure that you start a fire it's like survival skills are up there and then my third strategy battle skills so like chess strategy or like how to how to be like a general in the war and like really think of all the other all the other opponents and like what they're doing and so that's sort
1: of like really deep strategy battle skill those are my answers that's interesting (laughs) The last one is interesting. You definitely should listen to that for our podcast we mentioned ages ago called, I don't remember what it's called. Oh, Blueprint for Armageddon. Because that is all about oh, that. And okay. it's really good. Mm. And, but if, if we're going down that way, see, the thing is, is I am just like, if I will need impressive martial skills. Martial arts like, skills. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't even say it correctly. I'm just like, <laughs> clearly this world, world isn't built for me. I am like, I'm not even... I feel like I don't even care to wish for those things or survival skills. I'm like, if I have to learn them, I will learn them. Yeah. But I don't know. the Yeah. The last one, maybe now that you've said your answer, maybe like chess. Oh, no, I have an answer. Sorry, I didn't think of this in advance. Chess and also tennis. Mm. I feel like tennis is something that is great to already be good at, but it sucks to kind of, get good at mm. tennis i want to just already be good at tennis so that's my answer i'm changing my answer to tennis and chess a lot more fun than patience if <laughs> we're being realistic yeah i was like i didn't know where to take this question i'm sorry i'm sorry
0: i just thought it was so funny that you start with patience and i'm like uh oh, legendary arts
1: skills <laughs> see i'm like the boring one i i'm aware of this Roll.
0: okay do you have an answer for our last question
1: Yes, actually. Okay, so last question. This is the last p- question is, if you had superpowers, what would they be? And I feel like, Haley, I'm sorry to say this, but there is only one correct answer here. Oh my goodness. Especially for us. What a
0: way to start this.
1: <laughs> I know. So no expectation. And I feel like there's only one correct answer here. What is it? Well, no, you. What, what is yours? What is, if you had superpowers, what would they
0: be? No, wait, wait, no, no. I need to know what you think the, your correct answer
1: is. <laughs> No, I want to see if you have the same thing. Oh,
0: I i mean, I don't believe that there's only one correct answer. I think there are a, <laughs> a lot of different superpowers and they all have their merits. <laughs> Personally, I've always really liked the idea of being able to go invisible. Again, back to like, it would be great to be a spy. So being invisible would be useful. Mm. But then also it could just be practical. Like you could just travel for free if you're invisible because you could just jump on a train and no one would see you. So I think that's my the other one. Like it's I'm always torn between being invisible and then there's like. This movie, I don't remember what it was called, where the guy can jump really quickly through space so he could be here one minute and I could be, you know, next to you the next second. I always thought that was kind of cool. Too. OK,
1: so the one correct answer. Uh, is, I
0: disagree already with this.
1: <laughs> is apparating? Oh, like in Harry Potter or like teleportation.
0: So what I was saying about travel
1: thing. The jumping thing. Yeah, but the, the, the invisible thing is like you still have to go on the train and you're still going to have to take up a seat but like even though no one sees you but like afferating, that is like I could see you right now we could record this in person and then oh, okay. that also solves Simon's commute issues um, <laughs> solves Simon's commute issues just to bring it back <laughs> <laughs> yeah so I feel like rating or like teleportation is like the obvious answer it is the most practical it means you could see your family all the time if you wanted to boundaries you would have to learn some boundaries or like you would have to learn to have boundaries in place and I think that is, you could travel the world, you could go anywhere you want. You could not have to drive for two hours for work. You could like live in the mountains and work on the beach. You know, like the options are endless yeah. with the operating.
0: Okay, so we're kind of on the same page. I don't think that's the only right answer, <laughs> but I, yeah, I could see, I could see the merits of this one.
1: Yeah, I feel like that is that is the superior right, way to live just Good with you know, the operating. You
0: know this from personal experience naturally. <laughs>
1: Yeah, this is why I wanted to become a spy. <laughs> I'm going to put on some socks. I realized I wasn't wearing warm, cozy socks. I was just wearing normal socks. That is obviously... Me. <laughs> Wait, so
0: you're taking... You're putting on socks not because you were barefoot, but because you already had socks on, but they weren't good enough and you needed
1: different socks. They weren't warm enough. They weren't warm enough. Just checking. Yes, I get get cold feet. Like not in the metaphorical sense, just in the literal sense. Just in the literal sense.
0: (laughs) I also get cold feet in the literal sense. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think that's how you talk about it.